This is the planet Earth, our planet. It is a small planet wrapped in clouds, but for us it is a very important place. It is home. But supposing we look away from the Earth and travel in our imaginations across the vast starry stretches of outer space, then we can imagine other stars Stranger stars by far than ever shone in our night sky. And planets, too. This calm, serene orb, sailing majestically among the myriad stars of the firmament. Perhaps this star, too, is home for somebody. Can we imagine the sort of people that might live on a star like this? Here they come! Hello and welcome to episode 101 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host Eric Moore and while we're in this gap now between episode 100 and our birthday episode, I'm in a bit of a reminiscing mood. So today I thought we'd take a look at, I'm thinking one of the very first special effects things I ever saw in my life. Oliver Postgate and Peter Furman's The Clangers. I'm thinking a lot of people, you know, you're exposed to something, you see something when you're very, very young. Um, it goes in and it stays with you forever. I said this um, a few episodes back regarding the Batman TV series. That was one of them. The Clangers is another one. It was a show that I saw when I was very small, um, instantly fell in love with, and you watch it now and you're immediately, you know, five years old, six years old watching it. It's a great show. I love The Clangers. It's not my favourite Oliver Postgate and Peter Furman um, production. That belongs to Noggin' the Nog, which was the TV show they made for the BBC just before The Clangers. And that's a, a a Norse tale told. Look at it now. Um, it's very basic. It's 2D cardboard cutouts, basically, animated by Peter Furman. But has immense charm and uh, wonderfully told by Oliver Postgate. And that is my favourite of their small films productions. But The Clangers is a very close second. Nog in the Nog was quite a success for the BBC and they went after um, Oliver Postgate and Peter Furman to come up with something else. And there is a hardback book which I really do recommend called The Art of Small Films, the work of Oliver Postgate and Peter Furman, which I really do recommend. It's a terrific, large, hardback book, um, which is exhaustive. You know, you've got tons and tons of beautiful, beautiful photos in it. Um, anecdotes from Oliver Postgate and Peter Furman and 
when I turn to, here's me turning, when I turn to the section on the clangers, you've actually got here a, um, a, a storyline outline that was presented to the BBC when the BBC came and uh, said, we want something else. Um, this is the proposal that they sent off to the BBC. And I thought I'd read this because anybody who doesn't know the Clangers, and this is a thing, um, I don't know how well-travelled the Clangers were or any of the small films productions outside of the UK. To me, watching them now, they are quintessentially British. It's a very British, um, laid-back, almost sardonic sense of uh, humour to it. Um, I don't know if, it, if they travelled out of, outside of the UK. Um, if they didn't, uh, they're on YouTube. Um, I, and I do recommend anybody who doesn't know what the heck I'm waffling about to go and have a look. All right. So to give you an idea, if you don't know what The Clangers is, I thought I'd read this thing that Oliver Postgate um, typed up and sent off to the BBC. It, it, it's here in the book and, and it's, it's quite small print, so I might have to struggle on reading this, but uh, it says here, Small Films, first draft of proposed film series for BBC. This is colour and to be shown first on Sunday evening and then later in Watch With Mother. If necessary, we would make two soundtracks for the two types of audience. This would allow us to avoid being too obvious in the Sunday evening treatment. Just like to stop there and just say that is brilliant thinking by Oliver Postgate that you can actually do the animation and then have the narration by Oliver Postgate for two completely different audiences. Um, terrific, terrific uh, forward thinking there. Um, and then we have the proposed narration for the opening episode. And here we go. This is the 20th century. After a mere 2,000 years of civilization, men's scientific genius has at last brought him to the threshold of interplanetary travel. Now that the Sputniks and the satellites and the space probes and many other of the strange and complex works of man are hurtling in orbit around our cloudy planet, it is fitting that we should turn our eyes away from this little earth of ours and travel in the imaginations across the boundless silent stretches of outer space towards other stranger worlds. It is not possible that somewhere is it, sorry, is it not possible that somewhere in some far galaxy, in some unknown star, there lives maybe a race of living beings whose standards of civilization are far in advance of ours? This serene orb, sailing majestically amid the myriad stars of the firmament, how far from the mad bustle and noises of our world, how calm and silent, who can say what godlike creatures may inhabit such a place? So that's the opening part of the proposal. Um, what they came up with weren't godlike, were they? Um, they are these strange, chubby, mouse-like creatures that live on a moon or a planet. A lot of people think that the Clangers actually takes place on our moon. It it doesn't. It's just a a planet that happens to look like our moon. And yes, you've got these um, um, strange, dumpy, mouse-like creatures that talk in whistles, that wear some sort of like gold garments, that live under the surface of this uh, planet. Um, they eat soup 
and blue string pudding. Also down in there, you've got the soup dragon as well. And uh, through throughout the um, length of the show, various other creatures come along. So that's the basic outline. As I say, um, the the creatures actually talked um, through music. Well, it's not music. There's there's musical sounds, and they were done by something called a swanee whistle. Okay, and um, you can't say they're iconic. Iconic is iconography. It's something visual. Um, but there is no other word for it. It's a classic. It's a classic. If you think of the clangers, you think of their um, their, their strange whistling um, voices. Okay, so there there we go. That's the basic setup that was coming out. And this, by the way, this was like 1969. They were starting to make this round about the time that the Apollo uh, lunar landings were about to happen. Okay, but that's just a coincidence. It wasn't rushed out because they knew that was going to happen. When I watched it, like all the small films things by Oliver and Peter, there's a strangeness to them all. Um, all of them have this strange... With, with, with Nog in the Nog, there was this like mythology to it. There was a, a, a Celtic mythology angle. With the Clangers, there was a strangeness that I can remember when I was little, not quite being able to put my finger on. There was an oddness about it. It wasn't just the way that they talked, but it was the way that they moved. But of course... The the way they were moving was because it was actually stop motion animation, and I really do think this is my first exposure ever to stop motion animation. I think I saw the Clangers before I saw a Ray Harryhausen film, and even if I had seen the Ray Harryhausen film before I saw the Clangers, I don't think I would have connected the two because you know Ray Harryhausen working on his big you know blockbuster action adventure films with an awful lot of money in his own, you know, custom-made studio, is a bit different to Peter Furman working in the barn of his farm that he lived on, you know, with, with hardly any money at all. The two are so different. It's the same process, but because Peter was working with far more rudimentary uh, tools and techniques, um, they the two come across very differently. But the measure of Peter Furman and Oliver Postgate's creation is they've got such charm and they're just so wonderful. If, if anything, the, the, the lack of finesse, if you like, adds to the, the charm and just make them the, the, these wonderful little stories. Um, so, yeah, they were stop-motion animation. And going from, you know, Peter Furman's uh, anecdotes in this small films book, the clangers, the clangers themselves, were, um, let me see, uh, so you've got an armature, basically, you've got an armature, just like Ray Harryhausen would use a metal armature, and and then um, build on top of that, um, yeah, they too had a metal skeleton, okay, um, which also incorporated a horizontal piece of wood in the middle, which was to be used to hold the clangers while you were moving and animating them. Okay, um, around the skeleton, uh, they were stuffed with foam chips to bolt them out. The hands and the edges of the ears were made from pipe cleaners, as these could be shaped during the animating process. And the outside of the clangers, uh, they were knitted by Peter's wife, Joan, who also made their clothes. Okay, I'll put pictures on Facebook, you can see them. And, and yes, when you look at them close up, and yeah, this is a large photo of Tiny Clanger that I'm looking at at the moment, an A4 photo, beautiful photo. Um, yeah, it is clearly knitted. Okay, right. 
Peter also says that the clangers have holes in their feet, okay, and this enabled him to push uh, um, drawing pins or tin tacks, if you're in the States, through them to pin them to the surface of the clanger planet, all right? Um, he also said that the planet itself was made of a mixture of plaster and polystyrene balls. Um, they had layers of hessian, then polystyrene, then hessian, and so on. So you could get a good firm fixing for the drawing pins, which were very sharp. In the opening sequence, um, which pans across the, from space, um, old Christmas tree decorations were used for the stars. And the actual planet that you see there, Peter made from a plastic football, um, which was covered in plaster. It's as simple as it was. The show's title card was created from gold foil stuck onto a net, so you could change focus to then see the planets behind it. In a tale called The Top Hat, one of the clangers is out fishing. Uh, they would go fishing through space in their little music boat and snagged the top hat, brought it down to the planet, and out of the top hat popped three creatures which would go on to be called froglets. of them out of one hat. They're sort of froglet things, aren't they? How extraordinary. Now, of course, Peter Furman himself, he made all of the uh, creatures, he made the sets, he made everything, um, along with his wife who would knit um, and clothe things. And for these, these froglets, these three bright orange heads basically with legs, um, they were carved out of wood, um, the, the, but uh, hollowed out inside so the body can be pushed up and down to create a jumping effect. Um, the rather long eyelashes on the froglets, they were made out of copper and the eyes could also rotate to allow for blinking. Another Peter Furman creation for the show was the Iron Chicken. And uh, for her, uh, she was actually made out of bog standard Meccano um, with a head made out of wood and copper tube. The body of the Iron Chicken is actually a boiler from a Meccano kit. Uh, and for flying creatures, Oliver had a structure attached to a gantry that he could move slowly round with the hat a puppet hanging from uh, by cotton, which they would blacken so it wouldn't show up against the backdrop. Um, but, of course, you hang anything from a wire and you get a problem with swaying, and uh, they certainly hadn't had that trouble. And we've got a quote here from... Um, Oliver Postgate. He said, what I hadn't borne in mind was that things hanging on threads swing about. I ended up with a wooden cross piece clipped to the end of the wooden jib from which I attached up to eight different threads to various parts of the object to be flown, each of which had to be delicately adjusted. This method of suspension succeeded in stopping the wildest swings but still allowed the object to vibrate slightly. The only way to deal with that was to simply to wait. Peter also created various spacecraft for the show. There was one 
I think the story was called The Intruder, where you have a robot survey vis vessel land on the planet and take samples, which um, the Clangers found very puzzling that, um, you know, it was eating bits of their planet. Um, and I like that, that they actually put a mouth on this, like, you know, NASA lander um, when it was picking up samples. Um, it actually ate them and it had actually, like, copper teeth. So that was very quaint and lovely and then there was another uh, episode where th there was actually a manned landing on the moon and um, this was actually going to be transmitted around about the same time that Neil Armstrong uh, stepped out onto the moon and Oliver Postgate was appalled by this because they had already filmed it they had sent it off to the BBC and the BBC you know wanting to you know tie things together wanted to air it around the same time but Oliver Postgate was very uh, concerned about this because what if the moon landing had gone wrong, you know, um, and they had all died. So, um, yeah, but in their little story, yes, um, you get a, a manned spacecraft lands on the planet um, and terrific. I, I, I love these two guys. I love their imagination. I love their way of thinking. When the astronaut lands, he unfurls a flag and the flag is a combination of the United States flag and the Russian flag. And that's simply because at that time when they made it, they didn't know who was going to get to the moon first. So it's like, let's hedge our bets and just have both on the flag. And it's never really stated um, what nationality the astronaut is, although you do hear uh, American talking over the radio, but that's um, stock NASA uh, recordings that they used. Over to Peter Furman, he says that the astronaut's landing vehicle is made of cardboard with a little transparent plastic pot stuck on the top. And again, he says here, the flag is a composite of the American and Soviet flags because we didn't know whether the Americans or the Russians were going to get there first. We'd made this before the Armstrong moon landing, so we compromised and made a united flag. The outfit for the spaceman was made by Linda Birch. She'd liked an earlier... Uh, Peter Furman and Oliver Postgate production called The Pogles and uh, had invited Peter to her graduation show. He liked her illustration style and so she ended up doing odds and ends for them, including some of the drawings for an episode of Bagpuss as well as drawings for The Pogles annuals. As I say, the clangers actually talked in a series of whistles. Um, and even though that was the case, Oliver Postgate actually did write a script for the Clangers and then uh, the actual recording with the whistle was meant to, you know, mimic the, the rhythm of the dialogue. OK, and in this book, you've got a script for one of those uh, episodes and yeah, it shows you the dialogue under the effects track. OK, um, the first clanger line of dialogue is blast the bloody things stuck again, which you know, that is very Oliver Postgate. You know, it's a ch it's a children's show. He knows this dialogue's not going to be um, used in any way, but <laughs> it's their sly, wicked humour coming out there. Another creation in the show that um, is, is very fondly remembered is the soup dragon, um, who lives down there in the planet and supplies the clangers with their. Um, doses of soup and the soup dragon has got a wooden body and a wooden head 
which was carved by Peter Furman, and then just covered in pieces of felt. Um, it was fully jointed, um, and even the eyeballs could move sideways. As I say, they would go fishing in their music boat, this boat which flew through space powered by music. And the boat itself is made of cardboard with a cotton reel and polystyrene. The rivets are made from split pins, you know, the old paper fastener things, and the whole thing painted gold. The doors inside the planet um, around the Clanger's home were all made just from tin foil plates, which were just squashed, painted, and then a ring put in the middle for the door handle. And it's another example of how, you know, <clears throat> lack of lack of funds certainly sometimes can absolutely 100% not stay in the way of creativity. Oliver Postgate and Peter Furman, you know, uh, were, were wonderful people creating wonderful shows with wonderful characters and wonderful storylines. And I love them all. I love all their shows. Um, and The Clangers, as I say, my second favourite. When they were making all their shows back in the 60s, um, it was on a farm just outside Canterbury, which is about, what, 15 minutes drive from here. And anybody who is in Kent or in the southeast or coming to England and you're going to be going to London or whatever and, and you, you know, you're fans of them or, you know, special effects or TV history, I do urge you to go to Canterbury because Canterbury, of course, has got the cathedral. There's an awful lot of history there from the Romans forward. But also in the Canterbury Museum, there is a wing devoted to the works of Oliver Postgate and Peter Furman and a, a huge amount of the original props are there, you know, from Bagpuss, from Clangers, Poggles, Nog in the Nog, even the illustrations from Nog in the Nog, they're all there. And I do urge you to go along and, and, and have a look, because as I say, they were local boys. They lived just outside of the city. In fact, when I um, used to work at the Canterbury Cinema, I'd go off to WH Smith's, our, you know, newsagent stroke um, stationery shop, and I'd go upstairs to the art department. And very often I would see Peter Furman um, just, you know, buying pens and stuff like that. Uh, I never bothered him. I'd actually met him um, before a few years back when myself and a friend, we went up to London and met Oliver Postgate and Peter Furman at a sign-in when a double VHS box set of Nog in the Nog was released. So we went up to the BFI and, and we met them then and I got their autograph. So uh, I, I never bothered him. He sadly passed, was it a year or two ago? And Oliver passed quite some years ago. So um, that, that, they're both gone from us now, although their legacy remains. Anybody of a certain age, you mention any of their shows and um, you're going to get a smile on their face. And the Clangers here, of course, were resurrected, what, three years ago? Um, a new show was made of the Clangers, this time narrated by Michael Palin. And even though it was computer-generated animation, they stuck to you know the original uh, show they actually kept the designs exactly the same they incorporated the the jerkiness of the movement out of total and utter respect for the creators of the original and why not why not um you know it's it, it's a brilliant show it's a lovely show it's a wonderful show i love it dearly and i i thought i would just have a little uh, ramble about it today with you so thank you for your indulgence um rating rating for this for all the effects um you you've got to judge the effect effectiveness of them 
compared to the enjoyment of them, etc., etc. And yes, they, they the clangers effects could appear crude, but when you look at when it was made, how little money they had, and everything was handmade in a barn on a farm, um, a mixture of Meccano and metal and wood and wool. Um, it's an eight. All right. Thank you, everyone. 102 next week. We're back to a regular running length. So see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>